Romans chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 18 through 32. It's on your large print sheets as well. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18 and going to the end of the chapter. Hear now the word of God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, but those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Beloved people of God, today we are looking for the third time at what the third commandment forbids. What the third commandment forbids. The third commandment forbids all profaning, making common, or abusing of anything 
whereby God makes himself known. All profaning or abusing of anything, whereby God makes himself known. We've already mentioned, I'll mention it again to emphasize the point as we look at the three commandments. The first, the first three commandments, the first gives us the who, the object of our worship, the true and the living God, the one true Lord, not Allah, not the God of Islam, not the God of Unitarianism, not any false God as in Hinduism or Native American religions, but the one true and living God, the God of Scripture. He is the who of our worship. The second gives us the what of our worship, the means of our worship, the regulative principle of worship, our strict understanding of how we are to worship God according to his commands. And the third gives us the how or the manner and attitude of our worship. We've already seen uh, positively the third commandment requires a reverent use, a reverent use of all by which God reveals himself his character, his ordinances, his word, and his works. And so now we look at the negative side, as we've done the last couple of weeks, in terms of just by way of, of, uh, of uh, summation, in terms of God's revealed character, we talked about the irreverence, not treating God with reverence, with irreverence in terms of his names or his titles, also sinful swearing, either overuse or abuse of swearing or false swearing, cursing, cursing, including, as I mentioned, euphemisms. That is to say, instead of saying, well, I won't say hell, I'll just say heck. Well, it's really the same thing. That's just a euphemistic way of saying it. Blaspheming God's name attacking God, his glory, but also a superstitious use of God's name or character or titles. And then in terms of God's ordinances, we spoke of irreverence in attendance upon them. And of course, we, among other things, we what did we mention? Uh, we mentioned the fact that we are to treat the worship of God with respect. We're not to be irreverent. We're not to, to uh, eat uh, and uh, drink coffee and these sorts of things during the service. We're not to be on the telephone. We're not to be, uh, we're not to be uh, engaged in other activities, just like if we were in the presence of the, of the king uh, of uh, England, so we would pay attention to him. And so not being irreverent or slight or formal regarding of them, treating them sort of casually, if you will. Hypocrisy, not really meaning it when we come into the worship of God or even despising God's ordinances. And then thirdly, in terms of God's word, in terms of treating it disrespectfully, treating it disrespectfully, or twisting the word into false doctrine. 
twisting the word uh, into false doctrine or misapplying the word, misapplying the word, or not paying heed, not paying attention uh, to the word itself. You remember when we talked about treating the word disrespectfully? Uh, we mentioned there uh, with regard to those who would, uh, uh, such as the king uh, in uh, Jeremiah 36, you remember how he, the, the prophecy was read to him, the prophecy from Jeremiah, what did he do? He took a knife and he cut it and then he tossed it into, he tossed it into the, the fire and burned it up. So that would be an example, then, of treating the word disrespectfully. In Acts uh, chapter uh, 13, in Acts chapter uh, 13 and uh, verse uh, 45, in Acts 13 and verse 45, we see, we read, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming they oppose the things spoken by Paul and then later verse 50 but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region well that would be an example would it not of treating the word with great disrespect also in Second Peter, in Second Peter chapter three, Second Peter chapter three, knowing this first, that scoffers, mockers, will come in the last day, walking according to their own lusts and saying, "Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep." All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And so these are among the examples that we have of treating God's word irreverently, treating it with disrespect, and also twisting it, twisting the word itself into false doctrine. And now today we look then at God's works. God's works. We look at the works of God. And so when we think of God's works, we think of two basic categories, creation and providence. Creation and providence. Now these are related, as as we uh, will see. These are related, but they are distinct. God's great works are creation and providence. Now, both of both creation and providence reveal something about who God is. Both creation and providence reveal something of the character of God. And so, how is it then that we would could treat God's works with uh, in in, a, in an improper way, abusing or profaning them? Well, first of all, let's talk about misuse in general. Misuse in general. One of the ways is by pampering the flesh, 
and gratifying lusts and being intemperate. If you look at Romans 13, 13 and 14, we read, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So God has made us body and soul for his glory. And when we don't act properly, whether it be pampering the flesh, gratifying lust, being intemperate, getting drunk, using drugs, whatever it may be, that is a misuse of this wonderful body that God has made and designed for his glory. And so it's a violation then of the third commandment. Or in this regard, twisting or perverting something into something that denies God's purpose. And this is why we read from Romans chapter 1 today. So let's look at Romans 1 just for a second. Romans 1. So here, at the end of Romans chapter 1, we see several things that are um, very important. You'll notice verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress, who hold down the truth and unrighteousness, like trying to hold down a, a, a beach ball. You know, if you're in the pool, you try to hold down that beach ball. And that's kind of impossible, but that's what man always tries to do, tries to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, in creation, as we look around us, as we see creation, what are we seeing? We're seeing, we're, we're it, through the visible, we're seeing the invisible. That's what Paul is saying here. Through the visible, what we see with our eyes, we're actually seeing, we're perceiving the invisible, that is to say the invisible attributes of God. But when we twist and distort that natural revelation, that general revelation, then we are violating the third commandment because we are twisting and distorting something whereby God has revealed himself, including not only his power, but including his orderliness. That's why when you go on, when you go on in this chapter, you see verse 24, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, the lie that Satan tells, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen, for this reason. God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. 
Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Now, obviously, improper sexual activities would fall under the seventh commandment. But here we see very clearly that at least some of those activities, some of those sinful activities fall under the third commandment as well. In terms of homosexuality, lesbianism, these are violations of the natural order that God has made. And uh, so there's a, a violation of that. And of course today, let me go one, one place further with this. Today we have what is called transgenderism, or not knowing even how many, how many genders there are. Ask your typical politician how many genders there are, and they don't know. Now, my friends, 10 years ago, anybody who didn't know the answer to that question was fit for the funny farm. Should be in the insane asylum. It is nuts. It is crazy. But today, we are seeing the celebration of transgenderism and of, <laughs> of fluidity in terms of the sexes. And this is a violation clearly, of the third commandment. And so twisting and perverting the natural order which reveals God's glory, which reveals something of who we are made in the image of God, which reveals the orderliness by which God has made. It, the, the transgenderism, the homosexuality, these are all attacks on the third commandment. Attacks fostered by many, if not most, of the politicians in our society today. So misuse in general. But also, what about in prosperity? What about when we are prosperous? What about when things are, we would say, going well? For us. Look at, since we're here in Romans, look at Romans 2, 4, and 5. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath and the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. In other words, things are going well. Things are going well. Things are going swimmingly. And what happens when that is the case? People forget God. People forget God. They are unthankful for his mercies, and they indulge more in sins. This, too, is a misuse of God's works, his providence. What about in adversity, though? What about 
when things are not going well? Well, we read about this in Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, remember the psalmist is dealing with that situation in contrast, in contrast to the ungodly, verse 12 of Psalm 73. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. And then Asaph says, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Things aren't going well for me. They're going well for the wicked. They're not going well for me. And so Asaph now is tempted to murmur and to complain. And of course we see this also in our other scripture reading today, Job chapter 2. In Job chapter 2 and verse 9, as Job has suffered now the second round of affliction. His wife, verse 9, his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Thankfully, he responds, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity in all this? Job did not sin with his lips. But in adversity, do we not murmur? Do we not complain? Do we not wonder? Do we not become impatient? Indeed, might we not become more hardened in sin? Look at Jeremiah 5. Jeremiah 5, the first few verses. Jeremiah chapter 5 starting in verse 1. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places if you can find a man. If there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. Though they say, as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them, but they have not grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. Therefore, I said, surely these are poor. They are foolish. They do not know the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. I will go to the great men and speak to them, for they have known the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. And so you see then that people in adversity not only can murmur and complain and get upset, but they can also be hardened, more hardened in their sins. Rather than using God's providence in their lives to drive them more to God, to rely upon him and to understand that God is communicating something to them in terms of his sovereignty, in terms of his dealings with them, even as Job recognized. Shall we not receive ill at the hand of God, good, and then shall we not receive ill from him? Remember what he has said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return to the dust. 
the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, whether in prosperity or in adversity, we can not treat, we can be tempted not to treat God's works, including his providence, with respect. Or we can try to pry into God's secret will. My friends, God has given us all the revelation that we need. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29, a very famous verse. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. In other words, God has given us all the revelation that we need. And we dare not, therefore, go beyond that which he has indicated. Therefore, we are not to seek nor submit to special revelation outside of Scripture. We especially are not to consult mediums or palm readers or astrology or Ouija boards or eight balls anything else like that. My friends, we are rather to submit to God's revealed will and then, of course, also in terms of his various providences. I want to make a special application just for a few minutes. I want to make a special application with regard to the the green movement or the environmental movement. I'm sure we have all heard of ecology, of environmentalism, of the greens in our society. We need to realize, first of all, that much of what we see in that regard, in the media, in academia, and so forth, is religiously motivated, but not necessarily on a correct foundation. For example, pagan religions are often involved. Gaia, that is to say, Mother Earth. You've heard about Mother Earth? That's a pagan concept. It's pagan religion. Liberal denominations, liberal churches, that celebrate these false ideas, and the green movement itself, in many cases, is motivated by false religion. So what is, then, the proper perspective as we think about treating so, treating the, this world that God has made, treating it with respect? Well, first of all, man is the crown of creation, not an intruder, not an interloper. Man is the crown of creation. God made this world for man. Furthermore, God has given to man a mandate, a command, 
to subdue the earth, the creation or cultural mandate. I'm sure you're familiar with Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, when God made man, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. At the close of our service today, uh, Lord willing, we will sing from the 115th Psalm in verse 16 of the 115th Psalm. We read, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. That's reflection of what we read in Genesis chapter 1. Now this mandate, this command that God has given to us means that man, mankind, is supposed to develop and subdue all creation. To develop and subdue all creation. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 4, we have the example uh, examples of that. Chapter 4, verse 20, And Ada bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. He was a rancher and a farmer, we could say. And so they, he was the father of those. We appreciate farmers. And so uh, Jabel then, the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. He was to cultivate the land and the animals. But also man was to take the raw materials and make beautiful things. Go on to the next two verses, 21 and 22. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. So you see, Man is to take the raw materials and make beautiful and useful things. Musical instruments, for example. But also tools, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. So this is the creation mandate. This was what God was given, had given to man even before the fall. Now, in the fallen world, there will be side effects. In the fallen world, there will be side effects in terms of whatever we do. Sin has affected everything. So today, when we, when we take action, there are always going to be negatives to that action. And one must take all factors into account. Do you know that there are folks today who want to ban plastics? Have you heard this? What do you think we're going to do for drinking straws? What do you think we're going to do for eyeglasses? Okay? But there are folks today who want to control your lives, who want to ban plastics. 
What about combustion engines, gasoline, diesel engines? There are people, there are administrations who want to ban the combustion engine. And yet, my friends, the combustion engine provides for more efficient transport. It relieves men from physical labor. How many of y'all want to have to walk three miles or five miles to work rather than driving your car or taking MARTA? You see the problem here. And so, yes, combustion engines can cause an amount of pollution, and yet overall, combustion engines are good things in our society. What about electric vehicles that are being proposed? Well, there are all kinds of problems with them. Fires that break out almost spontaneously. The weight of electric vehicles causing the collapse of parking decks. Furthermore, it takes power to build and to power them. Where do you think that comes from? Wind turbines. Do you know that those big, those big windmills that you see in Wisconsin and other places, those big windmill things, Many times they catch fire, and the blades kill birds. Furthermore, they are not predictable in producing power. What about solar panels have been proposed to get away from burning coal and so forth? Solar panels, again, it takes power to build them, and they are not predictable in producing power. So, we are to take all things into account as we develop creation. But that doesn't mean, therefore, that you don't develop it and that you don't use the technology that God has given us the ability to use. We must avoid adopting a pagan understanding that would say that, again, man is just an interloper, an intruder in this world and doesn't really belong here. We should adopt a reasoned response, not being swayed by emotions or politics. There is much propaganda, much brainwashing today in the media and in the academic world. Politicians use this brainwashing for their own power, and churchmen who don't really believe the Bible also use it to promote a certain agenda of saying we should not develop technology. You see, we keep the third commandment when we recognize God's hand in nature. But we also keep the third commandment when we put the things of this world to good use. When we engage in gardening, we tend the garden. Adam was to tend the garden. He was to take the, the materials and was to engage in gardening activities. It wasn't just, just the, the, the plants. He was to tend the garden. And of course, today we have weeds. You have to take care of the weeds. So gardening, farming, animal husbandry, manufacturing, industry, technology. We praise God and we keep the third commandment when we recognize the potential in the created order 
and his providence, God's providence, and allowing men's discoveries. So don't be misled by people in terms of ecology. We praise God for nature, but we also praise God and honor him through the development of that nature. So finally today, I want to talk for a few minutes about the reason annexed to the third commandment. The reason annexed to the third commandment. Of course, you know the the third commandment, as we have noted. The third commandment is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Those who break this commandment may escape punishment from men. No laws of man can or do reach all profaning of God's name. No man and no human government can know all things. But God takes note. God takes note. And so we see then God's punishment. The Lord will not hold him guiltless. Jehovah, Yahweh, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God is righteous and he will vindicate his name. This is what we read in Ezekiel chapter 36. In Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 21, but I, this is the Lord speaking, but I had concern for my holy name which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, And the nation shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. Zechariah chapter 5. In Zechariah, the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 5. We read in verse verse 3. Then he said to me, This is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth, Every thief shall be expelled according to the side of the scroll and every perjurer shall be expelled. He who's swearing falsely according to that side of it. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with his timber and stones. God is righteous, and he takes note. He hears and sees every violation of the third commandment, and God punishes. Sometimes he will punish in this life. Deuteronomy 28, 58 and 59. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, 
great and prolonged plagues and serious and prolonged sicknesses. If you don't fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, if you break this commandment, God takes note of it sometimes in this life, but definitely, my friends, in eternity. And so we need to pay attention to this. But we also need to recognize that there is only one hope that we have because we have all broken the third commandment. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. And so I call upon you this afternoon to flee to Jesus, the word of God incarnate come in the flesh and call upon his name. He is the one who perfectly kept God's word. He is the one who kept all his oaths and vows. He is the one who treated creation with respect and acquiesced in and submitted to God's providence. He perfectly listened to his father speak in the ordinances of God. And remember, my friends, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is the only unpardonable sin, is rejecting Christ and continuing in that rejection rather than calling upon him. We're all in trouble by violating the third commandment. But there is hope. And the hope is to flee to Jesus and call upon his name. Amen.